Did I tell you the other day at work, this person stole my lunch right out of the fridge. What? I know, so rude. Anyway, I went down to this cute cafe down the road and got this awesome salad. It had like pumpkin and this awesome dressing, but the best part is that they gave me a free coffee. Yes! It just made me realize everything happens for a reason. So true. The Bible says that. Phrases we hear in culture all the time that are attributed to the Bible. And to the point where occasionally they start to infiltrate the church as well. And sometimes we're the propagators of that false truth. Um, Phrases uh, such as, uh, uh, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. Although I think we're starting with God hates sinners. So that was last week. Nathan uh, shared with us on this topic. And as much as we were able to say, you know what? Yeah, God doesn't hate sinners. I think where Nathan landed was even deeper than that. Um, Another saying that we tended to use was, love the sinner, hate the sin, right? Whereas Nathan challenged us beyond that and said, look, why don't we use this saying, love the sinner, feel compassion for the sin that they're caught in. Um, In fact, my favorite saying was one that was a bit tongue-in-cheek, you know, love the sinner, worry about your own sin. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. But either way, Nathan cleared up some of those misconceptions about that. Then uh, this week, we're going to be looking at the fact that um, God... Sorry, everything's just turned off on me. Today, we're going to be looking at the fact that um, the Bible doesn't say that everything happens for a reason. All right? Then the following week, we're going to be looking at... God helps those who help themselves, right? And then the week after that, the final one we're going to be looking at is that God won't give, God doesn't allow us more than we can handle, okay? So this week, our topic is everything happens for a reason, okay? And let me just give you a bit of context for this because within the church and in Christian circles, when we say, you know, the phrase everything happens for a reason, Generally, what we mean is that something along these lines. You may be in pain because you fell over skiing, perhaps from uh, a trip that you had um, recently, as Pastor Nathan shared, and you've broken your leg. You may be in pain, but God caused that accident and for you to break your leg in order for his purposes to be brought about. Okay? Generally speaking, that's what this term is referring to. Everything happens for a reason. God causes it, and there is a reason behind it. When actually, the Bible doesn't actually say that. The Bible doesn't say that. But also, let me give some clarification before we delve into this. You know, if you have used this phrase before to try help someone who's in the midst of tragedy, let me just say that I've also used this. And I can probably assume that when you shared this, this little nugget of knowledge, you know, the, that everything happens for a reason, that you were probably doing it in a well-meaning fashion, that you wanted to give comfort and reassurance, and that's good. I'm glad that that was most likely your intent when using this saying. But now that I've got those clarifications out of the way, and I don't want you to feel too bad if you've used this saying, but let's take some time to think about what we truly believe, 
and whether what we say lines up with what we truly believe. And lastly, if what we say communicates what we truly believe. It's important that we take time every now and then to think about the words we use and consider whether they're communicating properly. And we're going to do that this morning. So, if we look at society itself, they actually have an opinion on this statement as well, that everything happens for a reason. You'll find arguments on both sides of the equation. Those who believe that this is indeed true and those who adamantly claim it is false. Not true at all. And so I want to start by giving you just a few examples of that. So firstly, let's hear from the people who who say, yes, this is true. So this is from Albert Schweitzer, who is a French theologian. And he says, eventually, all things fall into place. Until then, laugh at the confusion, live for the moment, and know everything happens for a reason. That's Albert Schweitzer. Here's another example. This is from a very famous American theologian by the name of Marilyn Monroe. She says, I believe that everything happens for a reason. People change so that you can learn to let go. Things go wrong so that you can appreciate them when they are right. You believe lies so that you eventually learn to trust no one but yourself. And sometimes good things fall apart so better things can fall together. Here's our last one for the, um, for the yes category. This is from Oprah Winfrey. She says, she's not a the, oh, I don't know, maybe she is. It says, I trust that everything happens for a reason, even if we are not wise enough to see it. So there's a few examples of people from society who believe that, yes, everything happens for a reason. But then there's the no camp. And there's a freelance writer, Nicholas Claremont, and he wrote a very strong blog against this statement. Um, in, in reaction to these sorts of things. And this is what he said. Everything happens for a reason is my very least favorite thing for someone to say. It is bad philosophy, bad theology, bad thinking, bad advice. It manages to combine the maximum of ignorance with the maximum of arrogance. Some strong words there, some strong statement. He was adamant that he did not like this concept. Now, here's a second quote. I've only got two for the, for, the, um, for the no camp. This one is from John Pavlovitz, which took me a long time to figure out how to say that last name. And he said, and he's a pastor, this guy, so he says, while God certainly gives our lives meaning, the idea that everything we suffer, all the horrible experiences we've ever endured have a purpose and meaning is actually harmful to our Christian walk. So there is a lot of argument on both sides of this statement. And the question is, which one is right? And, um, you know, I reckon we could probably solve this solution by word of vote, I reckon, this morning. In fact, if you figure out which which side you're on, I want you to stand up. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to stand. Some of you had some really wide eyes then. I'm not going to make you take a vote. But you know what? If we did take a vote today, there might be some difference of opinions. And here's a point, church. The fact is that the church itself, the wider church, doesn't necessarily agree on this one either. 
I just want to put that out there. That there are some uh, other denominations and churches that do, in fact, um, think that everything happens for a reason in the way that I clarified before, and that God has ordained everything. And so these churches believe, and these theologians believe in something called theological determinism. It's a big word, isn't it? Just turn to the person next to you and say theological determinism. See if you can wrap your tongue around that. You know what? That sounded exactly like what I said. Okay, so theological determinism. This is just a fancy way of saying yes. God is completely sovereign. There is no free will. Everything happens for a reason, and God is that reason. And this is why some well-meaning people have attributed the latest catastrophe, hurricanes, earthquakes, those sorts of things, as an act of God, or worse yet, a judgment of God against certain people groups or mankind in general. Some people take this very seriously. But then there is the branch of the theological tree that we find ourselves on. See, our understanding of God is one of sovereignty, balanced with the free will slash choice he has given us. We believe God knows everything that will happen, but that knowledge does not mean he caused it. He simply operates based on his knowledge. But mankind is still given the ability to choose. So no, God is not the cause of everything. That's where we stand. And so the question is, who is right on this one? Who's right? Who are we to say, you know what, we've got this right and you don't? I understand that that's not something that, you know, is necessarily you know, something that we need, we need to figure that out, right? Who are we to say that? But what if I told you that both are kind of right. Both are kind of right. See, from a literal standpoint, everything happens for a reason. I mean, let me say that another way. Everything is caused by something, right? Everything has a reason why it was caused. Sometimes the reason is simply cause and effect. You know, for instance, if a storm, you know, blew through and, and it blew a roof off of your house well, then your stuff would get very wet and you'd need to find another place to live. That's cause and effect. If a flood comes through, it seems to be natural disasters I'm using here, but if a flood came through and there's a thin layer of water on the road and your car aquaplanes, that's cause and effect. Sometimes the reason is choices that we make. Sometimes it's just choices that we make. The things we choose to do or not do can lead to intended or unintended consequences. But the reason behind them was the choice we made. Okay? Sometimes the reason is choices other people make. And I think this reason is the one that my heart goes out to the most. Especially when the one receiving the message that everything happens for a reason is watching someone they love suffer at the hands of someone else's bad decisions and bad choices. I think when they hear this statement, the question arises, why must God put my loved one through so much pain at the hands of someone else 
in order for him to bring about his purposes. It brings into conflict our understanding of this loving God who is, you know, interacting with his creation, ordaining these bad things to happen. When in reality, it's not God who puts them through it. It's simply the choices that other people have made. Sometimes the reason is because of an accident. Accidents do happen, and they kind of fit under the cause and effect category. There are tragedies that happen by accident, and in the aftermath, we want to make sense of why it happened. But the fact is that it simply was a tragic accident. And lastly, the reason might be divine intervention or um, interaction. Certainly there are times where God moves and brings about certain results. There are times that he is the reason things happen. You know, there is a big difference between, um, you know, things that are caused by sin in our world and God stretching us. You know, when God puts us through trials, trials aren't necessarily, well, trials aren't evil, right? Trials aren't um, degrading or, or destructive. See, when God causes something like us to lose our job, for instance, now, I'm not saying that God is always the cause of that, but let's say, for instance, God moves in a, in a divine way and you lose your job. That might be for a purpose that he has something better for you in mind. These things do happen. I'm not saying that God never moves or interacts in creation. Sometimes he does cause these things so that better things can come about. But there are a lot of things that come into play. And so to say that everything is caused by God, everything that comes our way is a part of his divine plan, it can be a little bit risky saying that. And so my point this morning about this saying is that everything happens for a reason, but God isn't the reason everything happens, right? He isn't necessarily the reason everything happens. There is cause and effect happening all around us. The reason behind things may be natural, willful, accidental, providential, or a combination of all four. But we have to be careful not to attribute everything to God. There's a very short gap between the idea that God is the reason behind everything and God is to blame for everything. So where did this idea come from? We will look to Scripture in a moment, but fundamentally, there are two things that humanity don't like, that we just don't like. And the first is silence, and the other is not knowing. And so I want to share with you a story that is a great example of this. And so, church, there was a man who... We just can't stand the silence, can we? And we don't like not knowing. And for those of you who are still waiting for an example, just let you know there's no story coming... Um, but if it really bothers you that much, see me afterwards, I'll make something up. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get you over the line. But we don't like mysterious silence. We don't like not knowing. 
And when we are faced with a situation with no logical explanation, it's human nature to try to explain the mystery and shatter the silence by saying something, anything really. We can't handle the mystery of not knowing why something happened. And we can't handle the silence, so we return to saying some of our Christian phrases. Like, everything happens for a reason. But the problem with this statement is that it conjures up ideas that are just not in Scripture. And so why do people think it is in there? I mean, it sounds like it might be. And as with most of, the, well, with all of these statements that we're going through in this series, there is a scripture that is close. It's very close. And this may have led to the confusion. And so we're going to turn to Romans 8. If you have a Bible with you, you can open that, um, or you can follow along on the screen. But we're going to read the culprit verse, and then we're going to go back and look at scripture in its context. And so here's what Romans 8 Verse 28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Honestly, this sounds like our verse this morning. I mean, our our phrase this morning, doesn't it? It sounds like it. Now, let me say, I think it's because we're missing the context of the previous verses, but man, it it sounds like our verse for today. And that's why a lot of well-meaning people have done more harm to hurting people than good that they initially intended, right? Taking this verse and interpreting it in this way that God must cause everything because he has a purpose for it. Church, I want to encourage you to, to not use this saying or to say this to anyone in the midst of tragedy. I know that you may mean well or are trying to say things like, you know, God is always present, which is true. God is present in our difficult times. But often it leads to a misunderstanding of who God is. What it is saying is that God caused everything. And when we use that logic, that God orchestrated everything, we can make the argument that everything is God's will and therefore his fault. And to be honest, some theologians do, like I mentioned. They do claim that this is true. But let's take that logic to its full conclusion. Let's subscribe to it for a moment and see what happens. See, if we believe this, then it's God who causes... Um, tsunamis, earthquakes, hurricanes causes every job loss and every sickness and disease if marriage ends in divorce because of adultery that's because it's what God intended and when parents who have lost a child and are looking for explanation for the unthinkable loss it's all just a part of God's plan at best this makes God the author of suffering and evil And at worst, it makes God a sadist enjoying our pain. You know, I don't think this is a very healthy understanding of who God is. And this is not what Scripture says at all. From the beginning of Scripture in Genesis, we read that God made the universe and everything in it, and it was good and pleasing. 
And he placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of, of Eden, and he gave them dominion over it. And we even read in Genesis, and this is one of my favorite verses, it's just before you know, um, God confronts Adam and Eve, we read that he was walking in the cool of the evening amongst his creation. You know, God was dwelling in amongst his people and in amongst his creation. And this doesn't sound like a micromanaging, you know, master puppeteer. It sounds like God's intention was to be present, but to leave room for mankind to have choice. It was never God's intention for Adam and Eve to disobey. They weren't created specifically to disobey, but they were created with the ability to disobey, and they chose to. See, God in his great love for us, he didn't force, we see with Adam and Eve, he didn't force them into disobeying, but he also didn't force them into obeying and loving him. He gave them this choice freely. And it's because of their disobedience that we find ourselves where we are now. And church, let me just say, we know that at some point all of us have fallen short right and have chosen to be you know disobedient to sin and so god is not to blame for the problem of sin in the world right god is not to blame for that so let's jump into the rest of our passage back up to verse 22 so we're going to read some context um, in romans 8 verse 22 see scripture is pretty clear that bad things um that bad things in life happen Um, but God is not um, the orchestrator of of them all. But also, this world and the people in it are marred by sin. When we chose to follow our, our way instead of God's perfect way, it led to consequences for humanity and creation. We are living under the curse and weight of sin, and the very planet we live on is under that same weight of sin. As we find in our scripture today, let's start in verse 22. We see that Paul, the man who, who wrote Romans and wrote this passage, he's, this is what he has to say. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we, believe also, uh, we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we, alone, uh, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. So that was Romans eight twenty two to 24. See, Paul writes that creation has been groaning, Right? Creation is personified here as a woman in labor, waiting for the birth of her child. Just as humanity falls short of the glory of God, so creation as a whole needs to be redeemed as well. From Genesis 3, the ground was cursed as a consequence of mankind's sin, right? Because of our choice to disobey. But we also read that in Revelations 22, that the curse will be removed through Christ. And so what we're reading about is a world that is imprinted with sin. 
So there are things that happen that are not perfect. There are bad things that come our way as a consequence of that. But not only that, mankind is groaning, groaning as well. Those of us who have been saved by, by Christ know that even though we are saved, everything wasn't immediately made whole. Sin is still at work in this world, and we know that we are adopted. Uh, we know that we are adopted as children of God, but also that we haven't fully realized what that means yet, and haven't yet claimed our full rights as children of God. We know that one day God is going to give us new bodies. We know God is going to make all things whole and right, but also that things are not right yet. Okay. But here is where our hope comes from. Paul goes on in Romans 8.26. He says this, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us, believers, in harmony with God's own will. Church, our hope comes from the fact that in our weakness, the Holy Spirit helps us and fights for us. Remember, we learnt that from Adam and Eve till now, we have all at some point chosen to sin and therefore live in a broken world marred by the consequence of sin. Yet God, in his love and compassion for us, not only sent his son to deal with the consequences of sin, but has now sent his Holy Spirit to help us live lives of purpose and meaning in amongst a world marred with sin. God is fighting for us. And that's what I want you to hear. God is fighting for us. He is on our side. And this is the context of our verse this morning, right? Let's continue. Let's read it one more time. In light of what we've heard, God is fighting for us. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to to his purposes for them. You see how when we read this verse in light of the fact that God is on our side, that he is calling us out of this life of sin and out of the consequences that we have. I mean, we haven't fully realized it yet, but he's drawing us closer, that we see that God causes everything that is happening to work together for the good of those who love him according to his purposes. This gives us hope. But I understand that sometimes when reading this passage, that those words that God causes everything to work together, that, that God causes, that sometimes that, that can be a bit confusing and maybe lead us to interpret this the way that it has been. So let me give you a different translation that might help. We're going to read this again from the NIV translation, which says it just a bit different. And here it is. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. And so the difference in the words is subtle, but it makes a huge difference. 
it can make a huge difference to our understanding. And it says that we know that in all things God works. So even though we might be going through some things that come out of the blue and are tragedies and they just don't seem to have any meaning, that God still works and he brings meaning and he brings beauty out of ashes. This more accurate understanding of this verse shows that no matter what happens, good or bad, explainable or unexplainable, God is at work in the the lives of those who believe. God God doesn't cause everything to happen, but no matter what happens, God is at work, shaping the most tragic situations for good in the lives of his believers who love him, who have put their faith in him to guide their lives This is good news, and this is the hope that we cling to. Let me give you a real-life example of this. Chang, who is a mate of mine, who I used to study with at the Nazarene Theological College, he was in a severe head-on collision with a truck. And this happened one night as he was on his way home from work to his family. He's a working musician. For a living, he, he... yeah as a musician, and he was coming back really late. And as he was traveling home, he fell asleep at the wheel. And he drifted into the path of an oncoming truck. And so Chang was so close to death that night. Fortunately, he did survive. But his road to recovery was long, and he was unable to support his family financially during that time. Fortunately, people were generous and helped them out financially, helped them pay the bills. And someone even gave them a new car. And by new car, I mean new to them. But it was, it was nicer than the one they had, and it fit all of his family in, and it was a lot safer than the car he was driving at the time. And so did God cause Chang to fall asleep and drive into oncoming traffic just so that his family could pay some bills and get a new car? Sounds a bit ridiculous, doesn't it? Or did God work despite this horrific accident to make sure Chang's family was not left high and dry? Do you hear the difference, church, between those two? There was cause and effect at play, but I think there was also probably a divine interaction. It's amazing Chang didn't pass away that night. But the wrong translation is that God did this to you, right? The right translation of this verse says that no matter what, God is with you and God can bring beauty from this. Paul, who wrote this, was no stranger to less than ideal circumstances. He wrote this letter to the Romans while awaiting to stand trial in front of a Roman emperor. He was in prison. It's in those circumstances that Paul penned this verse. Regardless of my circumstances, God is at work to bring about his will in the end, his good and pleasing will. Let me read another passage of scripture that that speaks into this. It's from John 10.10. It says that the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. 
Does this verse say that all things are good? No. Does it say God caused all things to happen? No, it doesn't. It tells us that whatever happens, God is good. Good or bad. And God is working for the good of those who love him. There is a reason everything happens. But sometimes the reason is that we make bad decisions. People around us make bad decisions that affect us. Sometimes it's because we live in a fallen world. But God can use even the worst situation and turn them towards his purposes. As Christians, sometimes we will suffer. We don't and we can't have all the answers and reasons as to why. Sometimes it's because of sin. And God needs to correct us. But just as often, it's just a result of living in a fallen world. But here's what we need to learn this morning. That is that God doesn't make everything happen. But he can weave his purposes into everything that happens. He doesn't cause innocent people to go to jail or people we love to die of cancer. He doesn't cause senseless tragedies to occur. But when they do happen, he brings beauty from those ashes. He takes everything that happens and works in it and through it to bring about his purposes. And so this morning, we've spoken a lot about us using this term, everything happens for a reason, and our understanding of it. But this morning, I want to shift a little bit and just say that if you are finding yourself in that situation where unthinkable things are either happening to you or to the people you love around you, that there is hope, that even though God isn't causing these things to happen, he can work in and through them and he can bring good about it. He can bring his purposes if we invite him in. And so at the, at the end of this service, at the conclusion, there'll be a prayer team up the front here. I'd invite you to come and pray with them. And they will pray with you and invite God to come into that situation and to give you peace, but also to bring about his purposes. So I'm just going to invite the worship team to come up this morning. But I just want to pray for you, church, and pray for you this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you are good and that in your great love for us, you extend an invitation to enter into a loving relationship with you. Lord, that you want to be close to us. And God, we know that sometimes things come our way that are less than ideal, to put it lightly. But God, there is hope in knowing that you work no matter what. That you can step in into our lives and into the mess and you can bring about beauty and transformation. God, this morning we invite you to come into our life and to show us how you would have us live our lives. That you would strengthen us that you would encourage us. 
God, that you would give us peace. God, we thank you for your mercy and your great love for us. In your precious name.